Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the DAS Podcast. I'm your host, Trey Gamage, and joining me today is Dr. Pauletta Thompson. She is the Director of Federal Programs, Grants, Equity, ESL, and School Choice at Greenville County Public Schools in North Carolina. We're super excited to talk to her today about Title I, II, III, and IV grant management, as well as the fact that their district is implementing SEL um, school or district-wide. So before we get into that conversation, uh, be sure to go to TreyGamers.com. And once you get there, you'll see an opportunity to subscribe and download Getting Unstuck, Four Steps to Your Best You, an adult SEL program. And the first step, actually the first two steps are on me. And while you're there, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast as well, because every day, we every week, we feature educators like Dr. Thompson, who are providing solutions for school communities. So without further ado, how are you, Dr. Thompson? I'm well, I'm well. Thank you so much for um, allowing me to join you today. I'm really excited about sharing and, and hearing more from you as well. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Well, I'm, I'm excited about doing the same. You know, I think we'll We'll already have some some reasons that we'll need to connect offline, but um, you know, I think for you guys, it sounds like you've got a lot going on in the county over there. What kind of um, what is a federal program grant director? <laughs> What's your day to day look like? Busy. <laughs> um, so, as you mentioned, my role is multifaceted. I am the director of federal programs, which means that I. Um, help to manage and administer our federal grants. And in our district, we receive Title I, Title II, Title III, and Title IV grants. Um, also, as the director of grants, period, I help manage any grant that comes into our district. Mm -hmm. I, I serve in, um, with the different department heads. And if they need help with managing grants or administering those grants, I, I serve in that capacity. Um, my passion about my work is my uh, role with equity, and that is where I'm able to get into classrooms and schools, and I work with principals and teachers mm -hmm. in um, developing cultural responsive environments for mm -hmm. our students. Um, I also serve as the director of ESL and our ESL population. We are a um, rural, considered a rural district. Mm -hmm. We have about 7,000 students in our district. And, um, but our ESL population is pretty substantial in such a rural environment. And so um, I, I, a lot of work with ensuring that our students um, are able to build, you know, their language acquisition skills. And, and then finally, my role with choice programs, each one of our schools has an innovative program opportunity for students. We want to create options for students and families to be able to choose the type of program and the type of learning that they want and they desire. So I help to um, build and create those choice programs at our schools as well. Wow, and so the, the choice program, um, you said so much that the choice programs, is that like a magnet at a school? So would it be a STEM school or is it an after school program at a school? Uh, it is like a magnet program at each school. Um, we aren't um, considered magnet schools. We haven't received any of the certifications yet. We have some schools in the process, mm -hmm. but really it's just an innovative program where we have STEM, um, we have some global study schools, mm. um, we have art schools. So, so different um, gifted and talented, so different types of programs yeah. offerings for our schools. That's pretty cool. I may have talked to some of your principals 
um, already on the podcast. I have to go back and check what counties they were in. So how do you, okay. with all that you're doing, grants, equity, ESL, choice programs, how do you prioritize your time? Um, I, I well, <laughs> on a personal note, I don't sleep often. I'll put it that way. <laughs> I get a few hours of sleep a day and I am able to function. Um, because it is very hard to prioritize my time because, you know, I, I firmly believe that my role as an educator, it is to make sure that every day I give my very best so students can get the very best. Mm -hmm. um, every day is the day they can't get back. And so I, I have to make sure that I'm able to, to manage uh, my responsibility so that I can empower the adults to be able to impact children positively. So yeah. I just, I, I, I try to use um, a little side note for me. I try and use post-it notes as much as possible. And I will put in a little plug for Google Keep um, that helps me manage my time and, <laughs> and organize the workload um, so that I can keep, you know, my to-do list up to date and things like that. Yeah. Now, I'm, I just out of curiosity, you know, I know we all wear many hats in education is the fact that you have four roles is that due to like the size and the budget of the district or are you just that big of an all-star that they have to <laughs> it's probably a little bit of both huh yeah well i was i believe it's because i'm an all-star they entrust quite a bit to me <laughs> but yes um but also yes it is because of the size of the district um i'm not the only person in the district that wears multiple hats most right. of the directors do and most of the assistant superintendents do as well so um, it really is it's attributed to the, the budget and the size of the district. Okay, okay, that makes sense. Um, what, what role would you say, because you have a lot of experience, I see assistant principal, principal, education director, um, educator, and course leader. So you kind of worked your way up through the district level and the school leadership pieces. You know, what is it that you're seeing from an equity perspective? You know, where, where by the time this episode comes out, we'll be back in the school and after COVID, after George Floyd protests, after so many things, and our kids are going to be harmed, they're going to be damaged. There's a lot. Even our parents, our adults. Now there's we just have a lot of restoration that's going to have to happen. And per usual, our minority students are going to be at a disadvantage. So, what is it that you're doing there and preparing for um, in this school year? Well, like you said, it, there's a lot. You know, it started with COVID. We knew, or you know there were there's going to be significant achievement gaps there are already an achievement gap but now it's just going to be exacerbated because our students who are already behind are going to be even more behind um so really thinking about uh you know when you talk about re-entering the schools and and um in learning for next year and instruction for next year really thinking about the best way to address the gap where students you know left so when we left in march our students that were significantly behind what were we doing with them and now considering it's going to be a four month gap you know what do we need to do to get them to at least the starting point where they were in march you know the research is saying that it's going to take a year and a half to two years mm -hmm. to overcome some of those achievement gaps and so when you think about how to design instruction so that students are able to master content um that there there are many tentacles to that yeah. so 
And, you know, that's just thinking about it from the academic standpoint. But as you mentioned, um, students can't learn if they, if those other social, you know, and emotional factors aren't addressed as well. Mm -hmm. So that's where you have to consider what are, what are you going to do as a school or in a school in a district to first meet the child where they are and their, their needs, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Yeah. If, 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 you, if those basic needs aren't met, then learning will not occur. Mm -hmm. And so it's just being mindful of those things. So we are, um, in our district, we're, we, I have to say, um, our school leader, our district leaders, our school leaders have done an awesome job at considering every scenario possible and really starting by thinking about the most marginalized student first, mm -hmm. right? Because if you don't start there, if you start at, okay, well, overall, most of our students have, then you're, you're going to miss a lot of students mm. and a lot of families. So our approach has been to think about the most marginalized um, population first. What are their needs? And then we build from there as we um, consider our reentry plan and just moving forward long term. Mm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I just realized, too, that I said Greenville, but you're in Granville. Um, and and that makes sense when we're talking about, you know, being in a rural area, you know, where those supports, a lot of times those deficits are even greater. Now, you mentioned that you guys are in the process of implementing an SEL program or, or system systematic approach now. Is that from a district-wide level or are you looking at a school-by-school -school basis? Um, so it's a bit of both. Um, we have some schools who uh, that have already implemented different SEL programs, mm -hmm. um, did, uh, or created, a, you know, a cultivated a school environment where social emotional learning is, you know, priority. So we have some schools that are a bit further along than others. Um, and the same thing with regard to equity um, and, and considering some different approaches and strategies to take when you think about cultural responsive classrooms and teaching mm -hmm. strategies. So mm -hmm. our, our schools are at different places, but at the district level um this year the this current school year has been our first year where we've really um taken a much more targeted approach gotcha. towards um creating a systemic and, mm -hmm. and policy around social emotional learning mm -hmm. and equity we've started um by first defining what those two things mean for us in granville county yeah. because both can be ambiguous terms at times and it means different things different people so mm -hmm. really take we've taken the opportunity to really um align our thinking around those two things and and we started in pockets by creating um what we call equity champions in our district so we have teachers and counselors and and some principals who really um taken a deep dive into doing some equity training some implicit bias training some um just just really focusing on okay what it what is it that we need in order to build really a team and build our capacity around this work because it, it takes it's going to take more than one you know person as a director of equity or or you know one or two people at the district level championing this it's going to have to be more systemic mm -hmm. approach mm -hmm. absolutely so and I, I don't mean to put you on the spot here but you kind of mentioned defining you know sel and equity for your school in your own words, or if you have the statement already memorized, what, what does that mean for you guys as a district? Well, that's the work we're doing. We don't have a, we don't have a definition yet. So that's where we've started. So 
we've taken um, th this year to really have a lot of thought-provoking conversations with various stakeholders and, and getting that input. So our goal at the end of the school year, before everything happened with COVID, was to build a, <laughs> um, create that definition. So now we're doing some rethinking and retooling. Um, but that's our goal, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. Um, well, you know, there's, look, COVID just throws a wrench in everything. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> I'm curious then, you know, is there a is there a framework or a model that you guys are using to help you with the implementation process? Um, no, not yet. So we have partnered with um, Creed. Uh, Mr. James Ford is um, the founder of an organization, Creed Center for Educational uh, or Equity in Education. And he has really been working with us um, and our equity task force to think about equity in a broader sense. And, and again, part of that work towards the end of this year, we were working towards building, you know, what does that look like? What is gonna be our research-based approach moving forward and those types of things. So again, we're really in the initial stages. So we haven't solidified those things yet. Wow, wow, wow. I love it. So I mean, this is this is good. You know, I think I mentioned earlier. A lot of times when I'm uh, talking to educators, they're they either haven't started the process yet and, and don't really know where to start. You know, in terms of implementing SEL, or they've already kind of in year one, year two, year three of the process. So I think it's it's pretty cool right now to just kind of frame and, and look at okay, what what are we doing right here right now? Um, so I, I like that. I like that, and I really appreciate the fact that y'all are y'all are jumping in head first at just the right time as well. Have you been looking for grants or been already able to find additional funding? Did you need funding? Um, and what title funds does your budget come out of? Um, so we do not have a budget for equity, unfortunately, or SEL. Okay. Um, we have used, um, because we have couched SEL under our NTSS process, um, that's a part of our student services department. So we, you know, um, reprioritize some things to be able to fund those, mm -hmm. um, fund that, um, as well as the teacher training and things that we've done um, fit right in line with our Title II funding that we received from the federal government. So we've been innovative uh, with our budgeting processes to make sure that we're able to make this a priority in our district. Wow. Um, which is again is a bit different than what we've done in the past, but this is definitely a priority. This is the way that we know we have to make make sure that we're meeting our mission, which is to prepare all students for you know a global economy. And when you say all students, you have to mean all students, and that means you have to do things um, a bit differently so that you can ensure that you are meeting the most more marginalized student to the the most uh, you know resource student so mm -hmm. and and you know there's um i think it's the world economic forum or something like that shows that the the top 10 skills for workforce readiness are aligned with social emotional learning competencies. I had a conversation with a man named uh, Dr. Maurice Elias at Rutgers University, and I asked him about, you know, where where is the separation between SEL and education? He said that SEL is to education as the alphabet is to reading. 
you you can't have one without the other, you know. So I think we're at a place too. Is culture going to drive your instruction, or is it going to be content? You know, so making making right. it a priority, and, and you know, my my approach and um, kind of where I'll come from as well, because I, I I do help schools with this process. The first thing that I would want to look at is what what are the talents and tools, resources, practices that you already have in your given schools, and how can we use those resources um, to maximize your opportunity. So there's there's some really key indicators, you know, classroom practices, you've already kind of mentioned um, restorative discipline or, or circles and things like that from a classroom, um, mm -hmm. school-wide and then community-wide approach to SEL. So um, I think you guys are on the right track in, in having a shared vision, you know, and getting your stakeholders involved. That That's, your, that's music to my ears. Um, what grade levels are you starting at? I'm, I'd imagine that you have K through 12. Um, where are you putting the, the majority of your emphasis? Um, so we are actually, um, we are actually starting with K-12. So um, we have, we, uh, as I mentioned, we have um, a broadband of stakeholders that serve on our equity task force. And they are looking at um, the teachers and counselors at the K-12 level. And then we've also done a lot of our equity work at the leadership level, again, K-12 with our assistant principals through our assistant principals academy. And again, it's just the preliminary pieces. Okay. Uh-oh, something happened. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> it's okay. It, it, um, the connection went bad. I'm going to have us um, go ahead and turn your video off. Sometimes that Okay. And then um, I'll just ask that question again, and I'll cut that part out, okay? Okay. 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 Um, so, Dr. Thompson, in your county, in your school district, where are you guys putting the most of your emphasis? Is it K through 12 or elementary, middle school, high school? Where are you focusing on implementing these programs? Okay. It is uh, really at the, the K-12, across K-12. Um, our equity task force is comprised of stakeholders from within the district and within the community. They come together and they're looking at um, equity and SEL from more of a policy standpoint. And again, that's K-12. Um, I've mentioned the equity champions and our equity champions are comprised of teachers and counselors. And uh, that's again from schools, K-12. And then a lot of our work at the leadership level this year has been with our assistant principals through our assistant principals academy and that is k-12 as well so most of our work this initial um work has been across the district and again building that capacity across the district mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i mean that's a that's a great step to take as well I, I it's challenging you know it's a lot obviously with all 12 or i guess 13 of those grades um, but I think everybody needs it. You know, most of the research is done in the elementary range. That's where most of the programs and even the state standards are focused at. But um, it gets a little bit different in the middle school and high school. So I also, you know, I think you guys are taking the right approach in that um, every school is not going to be the same. You know, even though you're in the same district, every school is going to have uh, different needs and, and you're going to have different ways to meet those needs. 
Absolutely. And now one of our other um, focus areas this year when we think when we talk about equity has been discipline. And so we have some schools where, of course, the discipline data um, is a bit different, you know, yeah. and in some cases, um, you know, a bit worse than others. So what we've done is in those schools, we really focus in on uh, providing them tangible strategies. And with regard to discipline, we really focus on restorative justice mm-hmm. in more of the 612 setting. So some of the um, more pointed strategies that we've um, started to introduce at the district level have been based on the needs that we were able to determine from a comprehensive needs assessment. Yeah, yeah, that's that's so excellent, man. You guys are on top of the game. I mean, um, I did a I did a presentation this summer about uh, three restorative SEL practices to use in your classroom, and they really work hand in hand. You know, SEL is the skill building, and then restorative practices is the application of. Um, so I, I mean, I think that's that's really good. You know, I think a lot of times that we miss as well when it comes to SEL is that our teachers need it too. You know, it, it, we can't ask our teachers with all their baggage, all their bias and blind spots to go into a classroom and teach students these skills that they have not mastered or excelled at yet, right? So we've got to be able to um, dig in and help them out as well. So the approach that you all are taking um, is one for other people to follow as well. Awesome. That's good. Um, yeah, we. It, I have to say that we as a team, as our um, equity council, we thought long and hard before we decided to take the first step. Um, how do we make sure that we do this so that everyone um, is comfortable, mm-hmm. you know, with with at least engaging in the process. Uh, when you talk about SEL and equity, of course, it may it's going to make some people uncomfortable. Identifying, you know, your own blind spots and biases is not the most um, fun thing to do, right? So you have mm-hmm. to um, you have to think, you know, from a leadership standpoint, you have to think about the approach that will allow people to engage. Um, in a way that it makes it real for them and that they can apply things daily and practice in, 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 you know, those types of things. So that, that was really our approach. Yeah. You, you got to teach from a felt need, just like, just like we ask our teachers to do with students, administrators Mm -hmm. and district support have to do with our teachers. You know, when the person comes first always, and um, I, you know, you're absolutely right. That's what my coaching program um, getting unstuck is all about is, is really helping you highlight those strengths and highlight uh, your behavior tendencies and where you may even be having tension with your students, with mm-hmm. your, your peers, your supervisors, um, and even your relationships at home. So it, it, I say that communication is currency. When you can understand how to communicate verbally and non-verbally, and, and then also the second piece is relationships rule the world. When you can build relationships with your students in class and they can trust you, um, behavior is not going to be nearly the same issue as it was in years prior or once you already have that foundation of social and emotional or even restorative uh, support in play. Absolutely, absolutely. So Dr. Thompson, man, you know, we're, we're coming up here at the end of the episode, but I have to ask first for you, you know, what, is there any Final words that you want to leave with us here on the podcast, things we need to know about um, you or your school? Um, Granville County um, is a wonderful place. We are in um, a unique area where Wake County, which is uh, one of the largest districts in the state, and Durham County, which is um, 
a very large district and also very progressive. We we bump up right next to those two counties, but we mm -hmm. are a rural district um, with a lot of history um, around, uh, you know, race and, and just a, a rich history in our county. So we have a lot of unique opportunities um, and we are, we want to capitalize on that. Um, we want to make sure that we are doing what is, um, can we stop? I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. That, that's fine. I, hold on. Can you cut that out one second? I got I, I'm sorry. I, I have my, my two children here and I thought I was going to be able to get through this without them interrupting me. But if you give me one quick second. Okay. Do, you, do you want them to say bye too? No, I do not. <laughs> I want them to let mommy finish. <laughs> okay. okay, I'm so sorry. Okay, can you ask me that one again? Yes, I sure can. Uh, Dr. Okay. Thompson, Dr. Thompson, as we're wrapping up this episode, is there any final words that you want to leave our listeners of the Dash podcast with today? Sure. Um, we, uh, I just want to make sure for the, all the educators listening today know that um, no matter if you're in a big district or a small district or a district where um, progressive thoughts and progressive ideas are, are much more accepted than others, um, the focus, the need to focus on equity and SEL is real, mm -hmm. it's paramount and our children need it. Um, no matter, you know, what um, the, the political climate or the social climate may be at the time, this work is necessary and it is real. So I just encourage everyone to be okay with being uncomfortable in the beginning and just do the very best um, that they can to, to develop systems and processes around SEL and equity that will benefit every single child in their district. That feels so good to hear. Thank you for closing it off and um, really being a great guest for us here on the Dash Podcast. You do so much work with Essity. With Essity. You do so much work with Equity, with ESL, and these choice programs. I'm a Grand Village, just blessed to have you, and so are we here on the Dash. So, you know, this episode is going to be available on Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, Facebook, Twitter. You know, we'll share it everywhere. And if you like this episode, please share it with someone else who needs SEL in their school. This was a phenomenal episode. And, you know, we heard about the value of SEL. And this is exactly why I wanted to create a coaching program that will support educators, students, parents, and administrators, and being able to build some of these SEL skills and capacities before the school year, into the school year, and ongoing. This is a continuous process, and I would love to talk to you more about that. So you can visit TreyGamage.com to learn more about getting unstuck, four steps to your best you, and adult SEL program. And we thank you so much for joining us here on the Dash Podcast, and we shall see you next time.